to the Economy Guy. This is Tom Harvey. I give you information and facts and some of my personal opinions on what's going on in the world economy today. Occasionally I'll go off on a little sidetrack, but I can assure you those sidetracks have important economic impacts on what's happening and what's happening with your money. I want you to have the ability to make great financial decisions and informed financial decisions. That's the purpose of today's and every day's podcast. Hello, Economy Guy listeners. It is Sunday, August the 30th, and this is Tom Harvey here with you, having fun uh, with a, a lot of interesting news to tell you. Uh, today, I'm going to hit some, some high points for you. I'm going to, uh, well, I want to talk about gold a little bit. It's been kind of interesting, and there's lessons to be learned from what gold is doing right now. There is uh, also, uh, I'd like to uh, give you my observations of what the French are doing here uh, on vacation. So, and, and give you my interpretations. I'm going to actually make a prediction based on my observations that uh, I think are fascinating because I've been watching and learning a lot. Been here for over a week. Uh, arm in arm with the French. I uh, also want to uh, kind of give you an overall picture of uh, what the economy is doing to kind of give you the big, big picture. What's been happening the last few decades with the economy? Put today's economy in perspective to yesteryear's economy because it's all related. And last but not least, um, talk about Fed Chairman Powell's talk at Jackson uh, Hole. Uh, where he goes annually, and uh, he made some uh, statements that need to be interpreted into a real uh, short words of English so that you can understand them, and I will do that for you at the end. Uh, it's important to know what the Fed is thinking because you don't fight the Fed, and they're going a certain direction and why they're going there, so understand that. That's what's on the uh, agenda for today. So let's start with uh, a quick thing on gold. Let's talk about gold. You know, gold, you know, it burst through its high of 1920. It kept going up, up, kept going straight up. I mean, it went to 20, about 20, almost 2070, 2060 something. Um, and then it went down and up and down and up. And, and then it basically it said, okay, I said it's going to test the lows. And, uh, and what it's been doing is establishing a trading range, establishing new support and resistance levels. It's tested the high of 1920 several times. It tested the magic number of 1900 several times and bounced away from both of those. So uh, those levels are now strong support levels. It uh, then has been going up. It basically, it's been playing in the range between 1920 and 1940 or uh, when it goes to extremes, it's, it's uh, 1900 to 1960. It closed around 1967 on Friday. Who knows what the future holds, but what it's doing is creating a new pattern where there was none in the, in the past. It's never been this high before. So before it's going to make its next move up, and I believe that is the direction, it's a big major move will be up, uh, it will be establishing this, and it may take uh, another month for it to really establish these trading ranges and then punt, pound its way out. Uh, who knows what could cause it? I mean, events come along, and so watch the news, which caused the uh, gold to react. 
Uh, for example, it's one of the big moves up was when uh, the world understood that Warren Buffett was now investing in gold by uh, buying a gold mining company. Good for him, not the whole company, but a major uh, shareholder in the company. So uh, that's, that's kind of the news there. I will be, uh, let's see, what, what do I want to talk about next? I'm going to talk about France next. I love talking about the French. I love eating French food. So uh, hang on while I uh, get my notes together here. Christine and I have been in France now for over a week. We are staying in Aix-en-Provence. That's uh, just a little north of Marseille. It's in the south, in, the, in Provence, as the name says. It's a fascinating old town, been around since the Romans or before. And it's a beautiful, just a, a absolutely dead, beautiful, gorgeous, drop-dead beautiful, <laughs> gorgeous place. Um, but I want to talk about the virus. How are the French handling the virus? I think this is educational and fun to, for my observation of what's going on here. First, there is a mask law that if you're in the old town of Provence, um, uh, you should be wearing a mask. I was told that by a gendarme, a lady gendarme, very nicely. I put my mask on and walked around. Now, the French take masks very seriously. Uh, it's my personal observation that 100% of the women in uh, Aix-en-Provence are wearing masks, and about 80% of men are wearing masks. Now, the, uh, you, come up, you can come to your own conclusions on why there's a difference between men and women. But uh, vive la différence. Yeah, that's what I say. So, moving on. What about social distancing? There's a something thing. I can say without exception, the French have it totally, 100% men and women, ignored social distancing. It does not exist. Even though they say it should exist, even though they talk about it, they have signs out, etc. There, there was an elevator we went into. It was a small elevator. It had a sign on it that said, one person at a time. Uh, well, Christine and I went in together, so, but, you know, I guess we were allowed to do that. So, uh, social distancing doesn't exist. There was a music uh, conference, a, a music event, where people had to line up to get in. Well, everybody's wearing their mask, but they were jammed in arm to arm, elbow to elbow, and to get into that place. Uh, there was no social distancing. There was a band that came and played in the main the main uh, road there, it's called Cour Mirabeau. Uh, and it was wonderful to watch. It was very entertaining. And everybody was elbow to elbow packed in to see this. There was no social distancing. The restaurants are packed. It's very hard to get a seat at lunch or dinner. It doesn't matter which. Uh, but the tables are packed together as if the virus never existed. They are packed and you are you know, uh, in, within spitting distance of your neighbor very easily. Uh, so, and no one wears masks when they eat or drink. So restaurants are like the good old days in France. No social distancing, no masks. Yet, I don't see anyone sick. I don't hear anybody talking about problems. I don't see any of that. So here's my thought about the virus in France. Given this a lot of thought, and that is that Human nature is at work here. Human nature. I think the French, like all the rest of the world, are sick and tired of the lockdown. Uh, they uh, August is the month that the French go on vacation. And they are on vacation 
and they all moved to the south of France. So we are surrounded by Parisians and a lot of other French from other areas, but that's, they just pack in here and that's why the restaurants are crowded and it's exciting, it's a buzzing area. But, but the people are out having fun. They don't care about the virus. They're done with the virus. It's over as far as they're concerned with the exception of a mask. That's it. So uh, I believe that, uh, I will believe optimistically in my own personal belief only, optimistically that we're gonna get over this um, virus scare, the fear of the virus, pretty quickly as we get more and more scientific data as to uh, how bad it is, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's my belief. Um, and uh, we'll move past it a lot quicker than anybody's talking about. I believe there's a lot of extra fear out there right now. So that's my thought, my optimistic thought, for, take it for what it's worth, and uh, I'll be right back. This is an announcement about Impact Radio by Christine Harvey. If you would like to hear more about France this week, tune in to my wife's podcast, Impact Radio, about living longer and living the life of your dreams. This week, she covers why we love the South of France. You'll discover our three favorite places and how France compares to Portugal, plus fascinating aspects of artist Paul Cézanne. Simply go to Impact Radio with Christine Harvey on any podcast platform. Okay, let's talk about history here. How about the last 60 years of uh, the boom and bust cycle, which I believe is created by the Federal Reserve. So let's go through this history pretty quickly, but put today's economy in perspective of the last 60 years. Let's start with a major event. Back in the 1970s, President Nixon took, took us off of the gold standard. That had a major effect on the U.S. economy, and it caused some inflation. Uh, when you can print money, people will print money. So they printed money, and during his days and Carter's days, a lot of money was printed, and we had a massive increase in interest rates. Uh, the uh, Fed rate got up to about 20%. Paul Volcker stepped in and said, we're going to start lowering it. We're going to take care of this problem. And he raised it in order to create the uh, get rid of the inflation, which he killed totally successful. And over the next uh, 15 years or so, he brought the, the problem down and uh, we started to then have a boom economy, created a lot of money. Uh, things got cheaper. Uh, that was all really good and it kept going great until October of 1987. We had something called Black Monday. Uh, a lot of you weren't around then, but on Black Monday, we had a major bust in the stock market, shocked the world. Inflation was around 5% at that time. Imagine an inflation rate of 5%. We can hardly hit 2%. We're kind of struggling at 1% in the United States. 5% then. Uh, okay, well, that was a bust. When the market went down, the feds jumped in. They lowered interest rates, etc. We went into a recession. Up, 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 and uh, pushed interest rates way down. And, and around... Uh, 1992, interest rates started to come back up again, and uh, that was all good. Uh, and then the Fed, in February of 95, we had a, about a 6% interest rate going, and in, and in 2001, Greenspan was there, and he 
like things that were going really, really good. And then in September 96, roughly, we had the dot-com bubble. Dot-com bubble. Well, not many people remember that anymore so long ago, but there was a bubble. And that's when Greenspan made his famous utterance, there was irrational exuberance in the market, meaning the market was too high, it was going to come down. Yes, it did. And it popped in... Uh, Spring of 2001, that's when the dot-com actually boomed. And uh, the Fed stepped in, lowered rates down again. And uh, between 2001 and 2008, because of the low rates, we had a boom in housing. So the funding went over to housing rather than the stock market this time. And in 2008, that popped, that bubble popped. So we had another, uh, after... Yeah, we had another another bust, okay? And then after that bust of 2008, we are now reduced interest rates way down to zero again. <laughs> way down there. We're in a horrible position. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And, then, and uh, then things got better. And in 2018, the Fed said, things are so good, we're going to raise interest rates. They did three times in one year. And the market crashed again, and they have been reducing them ever since. So it's been bad news since 2018. That's incidentally, 2018 is before the pandemic, for those of you who look at the calendar. It is. And what that means is uh, we've been in bad shape in this pandemic. And the pandemic, they were, what the Fed did to react to the pandemic disaster to our economy is exactly what they've done to every bust we've had in the past 60 years. They've lowered interest rates. They've done quantitative easing. All of that's happening. So if you believe in the boom-bust theory, there's a bust coming, and that's the purpose of this story. I'll be right back to talk about Fed Chairman Powell and what he thinks the future holds. So let's talk about Fed Chairman Powell and his meeting in Jackson Hill, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he goes every year and talks openly to the world about his ideas about the Federal Reserve and how they're working with the economy. He made some uh, bold statements. He makes them in Fed speak, which need interpreting. So I'm going to give it to you the short and understandable version. This is what Fed Chairman Powell said, not in quotes. There's too much debt in the U.S., and around the globe. There's just way too much. And all that debt is hurting our ability to grow our economies. So we need to get rid of it. There's only two ways to get rid of this. Option number one is to have some bankruptcies, to get rid of it by defaulting on the debt. The various defaults, all think of all the various defaults that you can have on debt. Option number two, have inflation and inflate it away. And he made it clear that the Federal Reserve is opting for option number two. They are going for inflation. Big message. Don't miss that message. Don't fight the Fed. That's where they're going. So, now that you understand that, it's a little harder to understand inflation. Where does inflation come from? How do you see it? Where do you recognize it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, well, I have a, I'll give you a couple of examples. Some what-ifs. Here's a what-if. One's a what-if. That is, uh, what we're doing now is bringing jobs back to America from overseas, right? 
for example, if Apple started making all of its iPhones in the United States and then selling them in the United States, it may cost two or three times as much for an iPhone in, if, for the ones built in the United States compared to the ones built outside of the United States. That's called inflation. There's, there's one way inflation happens. Here's another way. Yeah. Did you know that during the pandemic, about one million appliances in the United States were not built because factories shut down? These are, you know, refrigerators, stoves, dishwashers, washing machines, dryers, and those kind of things. So one million of those things that weren't built on schedule. Well, if you're looking for one now, there's a slight shortage out there and prices have gone up because, you know, supply and demand. Uh, demand's there, but the supply wasn't. So uh, there's another way inflation happens. I'll give you my personal way that you know you're living in inflation. And this is the horrible one to live in, in my mind. It's called wage inflation. What that means is wages are going up pretty consistently every year or very quickly, especially the people around you, you can see it happening. And the price of everything's going with it. When there is wage inflation and you're demanding more money in order to just be able to feed your family, I can assure you that's a horrible situation. And then you, everyone feels that inflation. Right now, inflation's sort of hidden. Hidden. I mean, you can see it in grocery stores, right? But that's where it is. So beware of what the Fed is doing. They are creating inflation purposely. That's their goal. Inflate away the debt that exists in the United States that they created. They're the source of this. Uh, and so be it. You know, that's the world we live in and that's the world we can survive and thrive in, in fact. So I'm not afraid of it. Pow knowledge is power and we all have it now. So use it to your benefit, to your family's benefit, to your community's benefit. Use it out there. It's, uh, I look forward to talking to you again in a week. Hope this was uh, useful to you and uh, be seeing you. Bye now. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. This is Tom Harvey, and I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. So understand that nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice or a solicitation to trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by listeners.